This is Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the pastor of Harvest Worship Center in Tryon, Georgia. We'd like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. Every week, we try to broadcast our Sunday morning celebration that begins at 1030. This is the celebration of who Jesus is in our lives. We hope and pray that you will enjoy this message and that God will draw you closer to Him through it. You know, I think it takes that physical leaving of our pride. Amen? Because you've got to leave your pride behind. And I'm going to tell you right now, I feel strongly there's some folks in this room that you need Jesus as your Savior. You, have, you, you don't see a way in your life, and you need the way maker in your life. You need Jesus to come in and show you a path. I'm going to tell you now, I know the enemy is seeking to destroy what God is doing. That's his job. That's his job. I don't know why we're blown away when he just does what he does. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan's just going to do what Satan's always done, and that's to try to kill, steal, and destroy and stamp out the move of God and the work of God. When he begins to move, you better believe Satan's going to move to counter it if he can. But there's a problem with that. Satan is limited in his power. Our God is unlimited in what he can do, and he is greater. And he is greater. Amen. I, I'm finishing up this series on Ain't No Rock. And... Uh, I talked about the biggest thing that we need to do is to realize to, for no rock to, to be our substitute for, for our praise. In other words, Jesus said if, if these hold their praise, these very rocks will cry out. And I, I don't want a rock substituting where I'm supposed to be praising God and worshiping God and living for God in my life. That would be pretty sad, wouldn't it, that, that the Lord said, you were so stubborn as a stone, I had to use a stone to praise me instead. Okay, I don't want to be that way. And so last week we began talking about making Jesus famous and that it is never going to be about the fame of an individual or the name of an individual or a church. It is about Jesus. And when it becomes something else besides Jesus, it is, that house is ready for collapse. It's just a matter of time. Then that, 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 that house of cards is coming down. And I'm going to tell you something. As long as I'm pastor at this local church, it's going to be about Jesus. It's going to be about Jesus, and I'm going to praise him, and I'm going to lift him up because there's never been a soul that I've saved. There's never been anybody that I've been able to heal. Jesus has done all of that, and it's to God, and it's to him alone. The glory and the praise and the honor needs to be given. But we began last week. I shared John seven eighteen, which says, The one who speaks of his own authority seeks his own glory. There's a lot of people that seeks, they seek glory in this world. They want to be recognized. Um, I, I love I love uh, sports. I've always been a, a just a you know I've played sports. I've coached sports. I love sports. And uh, yesterday we uh, got to go see Georgia play. And and uh, I but the one thing that gripes me, one thing that gripes me more than anything is showboating, um, especially when you're you know beating somebody you should beat. Okay, and when they do this stuff like this and they strike a pose, it just goes all over me. Why? Because it becomes about them and not the team. Amen? Uh, I, it's like a, a star running by, a back. A star running back. You take away the line, and that run, let's see how far it gets. All right? If I, you know, it, it takes a team to win. And I'm going to tell you, in this journey in heaven, it, 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 it's one star in the show, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the star of the show. 
Amen. He is the famous one. He is known as the ancient of days in the Old Testament. He was known in the wilderness as the Alpha, the, or in the beginning as the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. He's the A to Z. He was known in the wilderness as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He was known as Jehovah Nisi, the God who reigns in victory. And all of that was embodied in the incarnation of Jesus when he became that baby in that manger and he was born not of, uh, of man but of woman but he was of the Holy Spirit conceived. He was born of a virgin, regardless of what modern theologians are trying to strip away. You know, uh, there was one t-shirt I noticed at the game uh, yesterday, and I really liked it, and it was just simply, it said, virginity rocks. And I was like, wow, that's an odd shirt in this world we live in. But I'm going to tell you something, it rocks. Because when it's done God's way, it'll blow your mind away. Wait till you're married. Oh, you talk about stuff like that in church? The, pre- the reason we got a lot of problems in the world today is because the church has been afraid to talk about what it needs to talk about. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible has a whole lot to say about things. And virginity's not a dirty word. It's something God wants out of us. Purity in our lives. And you say, but pastor, I've already messed up in that area. I still believe in the God that makes all things new, by the way. I still believe in a God that can purify the heart, the mind, and the body and make us new again. Amen. What are you saying, pastor? I'm telling you, Jesus was born of a virgin, probably between age 16 to 17 years old, somewhere around that. Mary was conceived, conceived a child of the Holy Spirit. It was born on that first Christmas day, not December the 25th, probably more like in the summer months, but he was born nevertheless of a virgin. I'm here to tell you, he grew in knowledge and in stature, and at age 12, he amazed the scholars, he amazed the wise men, he amazed people as he taught at age 12. He came into full knowledge of who he was, and when he stood at age 30 in Nazareth and spoke in the synagogue and read Isaiah and said, this day this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. He began his public ministry. He began his life. He lived three years on this earth. He preached. He taught. He taught of the kingdom of God. He talked about purity in our walk. He taught about a whole bunch of stuff. The Bible even says that the volumes of books of the things he said and did, the world could not contain. We have the cliff notes of what Jesus did. That's pretty powerful. I'm here to tell you, God's ready to do some great things. Acts needs to become our present, not our past, and we need to move forward in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach a little bit this morning. Is that all right? We need the Spirit of God to move in our midst, and we need freedom to break the yoke of bondage in some people's lives. I believe God can set you free and keep you free. So many, oh, good gracious. I am so sick of two-faced Christians. Just be what you are. Because God sees through it. God sees through it. He can see through anything. Do you know that? He knows. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As long as I can fool those around me, I'm okay. Really? You're not fooling God. God sees the Pastor, why are you coming down on us? I'm not coming down on you. I'm trying to get you to raise up to another level this morning and realize that when you walk with God, amazing things happen because the way maker begins to go before you. And when mountains come, he says, I'll remove the mountain. When you need healing, he's there and he's accessible to you. Whew. 
God help me. I am so sick of people who seek their own glory. Aren't you? Seek their own glory. He goes on, he says, but one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And, and in him there is no falsehood. Amen. How many of you in this room really loves a fake? Anybody? Well, back when I was uh, growing up, there was a group that came on the scene called Nilly Vanilli. Anybody know them? They got a few number one hits and then it came out. It wasn't them singing. And then they tried to do an album with them singing and it wasn't so awesome. What are you saying? They were exposed as fakes and phonies. Their record sales tanked. And no longer were they considered the superstars in music. They were fake. They were phony. They were not real. No one likes to be a fool. Anybody in this room? Oh, I enjoy when people pull stuff over on me. Anybody ever had somebody fool them? Oh, don't even with your self-righteous self saying, no, not me, I'm too clever. Now, everybody in this room in one level or another. How many of you, <laughs> how many of you kids, I know the younger kids won't do this because they'll incriminate themselves now, but those of us who are a little older, did you ever fool your parents? I did a few times. Mom saw through a lot of my stuff, but I got away with some things too. I never fooled God. You can't fool him. He sees our hearts. He wants genuine people. Amen? Genuine does not mean perfect, by the way. Genuine means I'm real about what I struggle with with him. In other words, I talked about bringing Jesus in between me and whatever it is I'm struggling with. There's an amazing thing that takes place when I begin to see Jesus. I begin to see him. I'm not focused on, the, on, on how big my problem is. How big my issue is. I'm focused on him. And you know what? And as I am focused on him, he is focused on my problem. You hear me? But when I begin to focus on my problem and not Jesus, all of a sudden I'm beginning to worship my issue instead of worshiping God. Oh no, I don't bow to it. I don't pray. But it occupies my thoughts. It occupies my attention. In other words, it steals away my, what I should be giving to God. Anybody ever have worry steal away their attention from their prayer life? I have. Come on. There's a few honest people. I have had worries and cares and situations steal God's place in my life. And then I'll tell you what happens is I, that's why he wrote, be anxious for nothing. Don't, don't quit getting so worked up over things you can't change anyway. How many of you realize there's certain things you can't change? Now, some of you, you can change your hair color. Some of you change it a lot. Some of you, you can go get a tan and change your complexion, unless you're Nikki. We tease Nikki a lot. She likes that lobster look. Anyway, nah, she's just, she knows I'm picking at her. What are you saying? You can change some things about you, but guess what? How many knows that, it, that as hard as you try, it's going to take the power of something greater than you to change your heart? I'm here to tell you, we need God to change our heart. Why? Because somebody said, how many ever said, I'm just following my heart. I'm just listening to my heart. Anybody in this room? Oh, yes, you are. Some of you wouldn't. There. 
Some of you, you listen to your heart all the time. But she's so good looking. He's so good looking. Or this is that. How many of you wish to goodness you hadn't listened to your heart over certain things? <laughs> There's a lot of older ones in there. Yeah, that's me. I'm going to tell you something about the heart. The Bible says the heart is des- desperately weak, wicked and deceitful. It's going to fool you. It's going to lead you down a destructive path if you follow your heart. That's why God's got to be Lord over your heart. Amen? He's got to be Lord over it because guess what? Where he lives, he will protect. Where he lives, he will do his best to defend. Now, you can kick him out. Amen? He ain't going to force you. You can ask him to leave and do what you want to anyway, but I'm here to tell you he's looking the whole time saying, don't you realize my way is a better way? Don't you realize if you'll let I'm trying to look out for you and save you a lot of pain down the road? Anybody? Anybody ever let them heart, their heart get them in a bad relationship? Come on. Yes, you have. And by the way, that preaches to the youngest one in the room. There was, there was somebody once, I, I remember I was doing some youth ministry, and they were talking about one of the, uh, it was a youth pastor actually, and I was sitting there talking with him, and we had a group of young people with us, and we were at McDonald's, I was doing a youth revival, and he looked over at me, and he goes, he'd had his heart broke, uh, the youth pastor, he was a single youth pastor, and he began to share with me how bad the situation was, and I knew the situation, and it really was bad what happened to this man, he was really done wrong. And one of the youth overheard it, and he was uh, about 13 years old, and he says, I had my heart broken, you know, fourth grade. And the youth pastor looked and kind of belittled that. And when the, when the kid walked off, I looked at the youth pastor, and I said, to him, that heart breaks just as real as your heartbreak. Amen? I don't care if it's puppy love. See, as adults, we want to go on that. But the truth is, hurt is hurt. Pain is pain. If we don't handle our pain the right way, if we don't handle our pain by giving it to Jesus, our pain can begin to own us. And when our pain begins to own us, we begin to look through the filter of the flesh instead of the spirit, and it will lead from one bad decision to another bad decision to another bad decision. And before long, we are in a mess, and we don't know what to do. Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're that person in this room today, I'm going to tell you exactly what you've got to do You've got to come to Jesus, and you can't hold back anything. You've got to surrender your life to him. Surrender it to him. And he will take all the broken pieces and begin to put them back together. Amen. In other words, what does the Lord require? Micah 6, uh, we we shared this, and this is kind of our anchor through this. It says, what does the the Lord require? This is found in uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and it says, "With, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves of a year old? He's asking himself a question. He goes on, he says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sins of my soul? He's asking all these questions. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he begins to, talk, to answer. And he says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Our ambition should serve our King. 
And what we want to do in life ought to be for the purpose of the Lord. Everybody, when they uh, begin to think about uh, careers and choices like that, and some of you that have graduated from high school this past year or several years ago and are in college, and some of you that are looking at graduating here shortly, begin to think about their career choices. And everybody also thinks about one other thing, money, money, money. What can I make a little money doing and enjoy? Okay? By the way, making a lot of money does not bring happiness. It really doesn't. You can make all the money in the world and be miserable in what you're doing. So we try to find that balance between a good career that we enjoy, but we all want to make a little, you know, little jing-jing in our pockets. We like to, you know, we, can get, we got money. We can get that cheeseburger if we want it, that kind of thing. And we don't have to ask nobody for help. Everybody wants a little bit of money, you know. And, and so we begin to try to look at the different career choices uh, that are out there, and we want to make the right choice. But everybody also is ruled by, well, how much money can I make doing what I want to do and be happy doing it? That's, that's the balance. I'm going to share something with you this morning that, that, that you need to hear very carefully, that if if you want to please God, then the first thing you ought to be doing is asking God what you ought to be doing with the rest of your life. In other words, God calls us to different places. Somebody said, well, God doesn't call everybody to pastor, and I would agree with that because look at the wreck the church is in today over the world scene because people who were never called to do the work went into a career of pastoral ministry. I've got news for you. This will never be my career. It is and will always be my calling. And there's a difference. There's a difference between being called to do something by the Lord and being, that's not a career choice. If you go into this as a career choice, come talk to me. I believe I can talk you out of it. Amen. Shadow me for a day. What are you saying? You better be called to do this. You better be called to do this. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm, going, I'm getting down to the, to the heart of the matter with us this morning. What are we called to do? Somebody says, well, not everybody's called to be a pastor. Guess what? Some people are called. Oh, let's just do this real quickly. How many in this room feel called into your career? Raise your hand real quickly. You feel called into your career choice. Okay? All right? I'm assuming some that aren't raising their hand, you're just being stubborn and not wanting to raise your hand. But, but anyway, if not, let's pray about that. Maybe God's got a different career for you. But you're called into your career choice. Listen, I'm trying to really target the younger ones in the congregation that are making these choices now. What, what does God want you to do with your life? What does God? It's not just a financial decision. I can remember years ago when me and Tina were leaving Jessup and we were looking for a church and we were wanting God to lead us to the right church and we were praying and we, and we didn't realize there would be about, about six different churches that we, we could go to at that time and, and one was in Alabama and immediately dismissed that. But, you know, I knew God didn't want to call me over there. But anyway, we, get, we didn't do that. Um, but no, we, we had one in Alabama, we had a couple in Tennessee and then there was about uh, four in Georgia, three in Georgia, somewhere around that. And so we didn't know what to do. We were really confused. And I was talking to my dad on the phone, and I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. And, and so I was telling him about this, and he said, well, one thing I'm going to tell you before you begin uh, to even consider where you're supposed to go, it is not a financial decision. It is a spiritual one. He said, I want you to remember that, son. It is not a financial decision. It is a spiritual one. And if you make the right spiritual choice, this plugs into what I want to say to you, son. Wise words from a wise man. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. The word righteous means obedient. He said, so if you're obedient in your spiritual calling, God will take care of your family. Bottom line. 
So just be obedient. So this is a spiritual decision. I've got news for you. That doesn't just apply to pastoring and choosing a church. That applies to the choices you make in your everyday life. Who you're with is a spiritual decision. I'm not just talking about romance. I'm talking about friendships. If you are friends with the wrong people, and that goes, everybody wants to to look to the front rows and say, yeah, all the kids, I hope they're listening. That goes for the adults. Some of us are hooked up with some wrong people. Amen? And those those friends are influencing us to go their way instead of us pulling them towards Jesus. Then until we get strong enough, listen to me, strong enough to represent Jesus, we might better find another friend. That's hard preaching, but it's truth. Because I'm here to tell you, heaven and hell is not something you better play with. And if those friends are pulling you their way, in other words, you're being pulled in their direction, you better find some new friends if they're not pulling you towards Jesus. Amen? And I know that's tough. But until you say, well, I want to win them to the Lord. Well, if they're winning you over and you're not winning them over, it's time to make some hard choices. That goes for every age in this room. we got to make good choices. Listen, because I'm not always strong enough to influence. Our former youth pastor, Chris, uh, has a great testimony with that. Um, Chris was uh, a meth addict, 11 years. He, had, he was on meth, a miracle he wasn't dead. And Chris gets saved. He gets saved and immediately cleansed of his addiction. That's an amazing miracle. I don't know if God can do that. Really? Okay, well, then just tear your Bible up because if he can't do it now, then he didn't do it then. That's how I see it. Okay, how can I believe that God did something I didn't see and not believe something I'm seeing? Come on. So Chris was immediately cleansed. Chris immediately wanted to win his friend to the Lord that he went and smoked meth with. Now, Chris, don't mind me sharing this. He shared it from the same pulpit. Chris went immediately, i got to talk to my buddy. He's going to hell. He's got to get his life straightened out. Chris goes, and he's talking to his friend, and before long, his friend is pulling him back into the same old life because Chris was a newborn babe in Christ and had no business tying up with a seasoned veteran of the world. I'm here to tell you, it didn't go the way Chris planned, and next thing he knows, he's high as a kite on meth again. He walks out of his house the next day, or out of the house of the friend the next day, the next morning, wife didn't know where he was. And he has this prayer with God, if you'll take this from me again, I will never put myself in a position to fail again. Are you listening to the prayer? I won't position myself for failure. I won't put myself in a... Some of us in this congregation, if we're not careful, we are positioning ourselves to fail the Lord. In other words, if you're going into places you shouldn't go because you think you're strong enough and then you end up doing things that you didn't want to do and you shouldn't do, then guess what? You were not strong enough to go into that place. You should have stayed out of that place. I think of what the Word says to Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, he fled fornication. He got away from the situation because he knew he wasn't strong enough if he stayed in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You don't position yourself to fail. All right? How many's ever positioned themselves for failure? Mine was the first hand to go up. I have positioned myself to fail because I didn't listen to the Lord or wise counsel from those around me. 
If you want to succeed with God, mm, everybody say this with me this morning. Wisdom is better caught than taught. You want to be wise, you, got to, you get around some folks that make better choices. You can't make good choices, get around somebody that makes a good choice in life. By the way, it'll, it'll rub off on you. Amen? How many has ever made a poor financial decision in their life? <laughs> okay, it just it happens. All right? If you made a poor financial decision, I'm seeking counsel. I want help. I'm not going to somebody that's like, well, I'll tell you how I got out of my financial trouble. I'm in my third bankruptcy. Probably not who you want to seek for wise counsel. On finances. Now, they can warn you about it, but it's not who you want to go to. Now, look, I'm not trying to be funny. You want to go to somebody that's, 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 that's seasoned in victory. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is time we start connecting ourselves, church, with seasoned people in the faith of Jesus that believe God. You want to learn how to pray? Get around somebody that prays. Connect with the right people. Amen? You can't lock arms with the world. Oh, my goodness. You can't lock arms with the world and expect to succeed. If you want to get to heaven, you're going to have to lock arms with, with believers in Christ. And when I say believers in Christ, I'm not talking about, you know, everybody's got them. Who's got friends? Friends that they, okay, I'm glad some of you got friends. Good. I was like, it would be sad if you didn't. But, but who's got those friends that are like their friends? You can call them up. You can tell them anything. You know it's not going anywhere. If you don't, God's got somebody like that for you. If you'll seek them out. He does. I believe that because he hasn't put us in this walk to do this alone. Okay? But how many of you got those friends that really aren't friends? They're just people you got, hey. You wave at them, hey. But you don't really care if you talk to them or not. But you don't want to be called a snob, so you're going to at least wave at them. Every now and then you'll go, oh, how you doing today? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Great. Okay, see ya. You don't care how their day's going. Oh, we're going to preach the truth around here. I don't care. You don't care how their day's going. You're just trying to not be called a snob. Then there's people who don't care if they're called a snob. You need Jesus. And that ain't, that ain't to be funny. You need Jesus. Because if you're a child of God, you ought to have kindness, compassion, and joy in your life. And you ought to be able to smile at anybody that comes along. Because guess what? If you're a representative, and that's where we're fixing to go in the Scripture, if you represent Jesus, mm, we got some coaches in this room. And uh, all you coaches, uh, I've heard your speeches, most of you, and your speeches can go sort of like this. You are representing not just yourself, but your family. And your school. So show class. Come on. Show class. Respect yourself. Respect others and respect your school. Show class. The other guy don't show class, show class. Because you're representing more than just you in this world. Now, with that said, I want to get to a scripture that I absolutely love. And believe it or not, we're about to wrap up. Second Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, let's start about the, the 18, uh, verse 18 says, All this is from God, whom through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, that, what is the ministry of reconciliation? He took what was broken 
and was unreconcilable, and he made it reconciled through him. Okay? Now get ready. Here we go. Here's some good stuff. Verse 19. That is, in Christ God, who was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. What is he saying? Let's break it down. He's saying, look, through Jesus, Jesus reconciled God the Father to mankind. We talk about the fall of man. The fall of man, the apple was bit, okay? Man fell in the garden. All of, when Adam and Eve messed up, all humanity from that point on was messed up, all right? I've even heard women threaten to punch Eve in the stomach. Shame on you. Shame on you. Threaten Eve. What are you saying? When they messed up, all of humanity messed up. But when Jesus came, Jesus came to fix that which was broken. So he took the hand of sinful man and through the cross reconciled us to the Father. And now I don't have to cower before God the Father. But according to Hebrews, I can go boldly before the throne of grace, obtaining grace and mercy in my hour of need. I'm going to tell you something. I don't disrespect God. I don't look at God lower and say he's under my feet. No, I know who God is. I I know he's holy. I know he's creator. I know he's the great I am. But when I pray, I don't crawl into his presence. Why? Because he saved me from my sins. I am a sinner saved by grace. But listen to me. He didn't leave me there. He made me a son. And so I don't cower in his presence. I come boldly into the throne of God and say, hey, dad. You say, that's disrespectful. No, it's not, because Jesus said, he calls him, he says, you call him Father, and that's good that you do, but I call him Abba. And later on it says that, though because I am adopted in him through that spirit, I can now, I can cry out the same that Jesus cried out, I can cry out Abba. What does Abba mean? Daddy. It was a personal, affectionate term. It wasn't a formal term. And so when I come to Jesus, I don't come disrespecting him. I don't come to the God the Father through Jesus with disrespect. But I do come, as Hebrews instructs me, boldly before the throne of grace. And I'm saying, okay, God, you're my father. You're my Abba. You're my daddy. I'm your son through Jesus Christ. And I'm asking you to look at the situation. I'm asking you to help me. I was reminded this week, my dad had a procedure. I was reminded of a, of a bully in my life. I was uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade, lived in Cartersville. And uh, if Alan Sizemore's watching, and I love you, brother. I don't know if he is or not. I hope he's not in jail. So I'm not kidding. He's mean, mean guy. Well, uh, Alan... Uh, decided one day that he was going to talk about my mama. Alan was in eighth grade and I was in fifth grade. There was a sizable difference, okay, between me and Alan. He would come over and a bunch of kids would and we'd play football. We were just ruthless in that front yard. Had a blast. Loved that neighborhood. And one day it was just me and Alan. And Alan started talking about my mama. And my, my mother really loves this and you'll see why. And I was getting mad. Don't you talk about my mama. But then he, the straw that broke the camel's back is he called my dog a name. This is a true story. <laughs> mama says she really appreciates when I share this. But he called my dog a name. 
And so he's just going to call my dog a name and walk off. And I said, hey, Alan, you forgot something. And when he turned around, I busted his nose wide open. Don't talk about my mama and you don't talk about my dog. <laughs> and I'd love to tell you that was the end of it, but he beat the daylights out of me. He was bigger than me. It was a David and Goliath, and David just didn't show up. But I got a good lick in. He had to walk around school with a bloody, busted nose for a while. But he beat me up. So my dad, I wasn't going to tell him, but you can't hide a black eye. Can't hide a busted lip. What happened? I, I, I knew better than to lie because then it'd be double trouble. Some of us need to have some fear of God in us. So I told him what happened. And Dad said, why, why didn't you throw the punch after he talked about your mama? <laughs> I was mad, but man, he, our dog's name was Macho. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Mama. I do love her. But I love that dog. Anyway. But anyway, so... Dad walks with me across the street, and he knocks on the door. And the older brother answers the door, Dana. And when you got two sisters that Dana thinks is pretty, that's to your advantage. And I did. Dana looks and says, Mr. Mentor, what's the problem? He says, you see, Phil? He said, I saw Alan come in with a bloody nose. He said, yeah, he said, well, him and Phil got in a fight. And he said, I want you to let your son know he's not welcome in the yard anymore. Because neither one of them are going to behave that way in my yard. When he can straighten up and let me know he's straightened up, he's welcome. But he's not welcome back in our yard. He's much bigger than Phil. You see, what you don't understand is that is such a representation of our God. You've been beat up. He's ready to walk right up to Satan's kingdom and say, you're not welcome in my territory. That's my kid you're picking on. The good part of the story is this. Dana said, I'll take care of it. The door closed and we begin to hear the most wicked beating take place. As older brother put it on younger brother because older brother thought that Phil's sisters were pretty. That's the only time I loved my sisters during that time period of life. What are you saying, pastor? Real quickly. Let me finish this verse. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on, the, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying, I'm begging you on behalf of Jesus, get right with your Father. Don't live in your sin any longer. You don't have to be uh, in sin. You don't have to be separated from the one who wants to take care of the bully in your life. And you say, I don't have any bullies in my life. I'm here to, to tell you right now, every time you go into sinful behavior, you're allowing the bully to push you there. Every time you do wrong and you know in your heart you've done it, 
You're allowing the bully to push you there. He says, be reconciled to God. Verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become righteousness. He goes on verse 20. Therefore we are what? Ambassadors of Christ. I want to I end with this. I ask myself the question, what is an ambassador? What is an ambassador? Our country has ambassadors to different nations. Um, and those ambassadors, when they go in to speak with the leadership of that country, they speak on behalf of the, of the leader. In other words, when our president sends an ambassador to go talk to Russia, that ambassador is backed up by our president. In other words, this is what you're going to tell them, and I'm going to back you up, and I've got all, to, all the authority and power to back me up to back you up. You hear what I'm saying? So when the ambassador walks in and talks to someone in Iran who's saying, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and the ambassador says, I want you to know, on behalf of the United States of America, if you do that, there's going to be severe consequences. What he's saying is, I have met with the leader. And the leader has instructed me what to say. Paul said, for we are ambassadors of Christ. And I'm here to tell you, some of us, we're speaking things against the devil and we're just kind of making it up as we go. The problem is we haven't been alone with the leader, the king. And when we get alone with the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you see, when we come in and we say devil... I'm going to tell you right now, enough is enough. You've had sickness in my family for too long. You've been ruling. And Lord, there's been bondage of addiction in, in, in my brother, my sister, my cousin, whoever it may be, fill in the blank, yourself for too long. And it's time that I am set free. I'm here to tell you that's not you just saying words when you've been alone with the king. That's the king of kings and the Lord of lords saying, I'm right here backing him up. backing you up oh I could stare my my bully in the eye with my father next to me because I knew with the father next to me Nancy nothing was going to happen because daddy had my back our God has the back of his church and though it can be tossed around and though there are men who rise and want all their glory over the name of Jesus, I'm here to tell you God is still working with those who are about his fame and his name and he is going to stand beside them. Whatever comes, all of hell may launch against us. But I'm here to tell you greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We are ambassadors of the King. Now let me tell you, the ambassador can only tell the enemy what he has been instructed to say. He doesn't have the authority. An ambassador can't walk in and say, I'm going to declare war on you. Unless the king has told him it's okay to tell him that. He has no authority on his own. He can say it, but guess what the, what the king's going to say? You done big mouth that off. That ain't, that's you. That's not us. So many of us are speaking against situations without listening to the king. 
So many of us are trying to handle relationships and different people in our lives without listening to the king. Oh, that we would get alone in the throne of God, in that throne room, and listen to what heaven is speaking to us so that we can turn around and say, okay, devil, this is what the king has had to say about this. Enough. An ambassador represents the king. Even when he's not on official duty. Come on. If an ambassador has bad behavior in the country that he's resident in, representing our nation, he will be removed because he represents us. Just like the coaches say, you're representing more than just yourself. So listen to me very carefully, all of us in this room. You are representing something more than just yourself. You're representing what a child of God is supposed to be. Amen? And when you say that you're a follower of Jesus, people are watching. And is their idea of Christianity, what they see in you, enough to get them to heaven? Think about that. You say, you're going to lay a guilt trip on me, aren't you, Pastor? You better believe it. Some people are going to go to hell because the king has been misrepresented by people who claim to be ambassadors. You can't go party yourself to death and claim to be an ambassador of the king. You can't do everything you want to do to gratify the flesh and claim to be an ambassador of the king. You're perverting the message of the gospel, my friend. can't get fired up one week out of the summer and expect that to hold you over to next summer an ambassador is constantly in touch with the authority in their life some of us we haven't had God shake us for a long long time and it's time to be shaken we stand I feel like one day we're going to be facing some situations. All of us will hold account for the lives we lived, and I just hope that my life is represented well on that day. But folks, I'm going to tell you, one day we're all going to stand before God, and I don't want God to look at me. I don't know about you. I don't want Him to look at me and say, Phil, you so poorly represented me when you left the pulpit that there are so many people going to hell today because they thought that's what a real Christian should be. That a Christian could get up and preach on Sunday and then cuss somebody out on Monday. You can't do it and represent the king. You can't. You can't. You can't. That's a double message, folks, and people are going to fall because of it. You can't party on Saturday night, come in with a hangover and worship God and think that's okay. It's not okay. Say, I I don't know if I can live that kind of Jesus. I got news for you. If you get a hold of that kind of Jesus, you'll get a hold of him and he'll get a hold of you. You won't want to party on Friday, on Saturday night. You won't care about that lifestyle. The thing is, you've got to love him more than you love this world. Do you? Do you? I want everybody just to close their eyes for just a moment. I know I'm hitting hard. I know I am, but I'm, I've got to stand before God and answer. For, and I'm going to do it because he's telling me to. 
I want everybody to close their eyes for just a moment. And this is just something to think about this morning. If you stood before God right now, you opened your eyes and you were standing before God, what would he say about you? What would he say about you? Would he say you were a true ambassador of him? That you represented him well on this earth? Or would you fall short? Because one day, my friend, the reality is we will stand before him and we will hold account for the life that we have lived and how we've lived it out for ourselves but also in front of others will hold account. And if you have been positioned in this life in places of authority to influence people and you have misrepresented Jesus, you will hold account. I will hold account for that. So the question is, who's bold enough to do some checking with God today? Who needs to talk to Him about some things in their life? And see, the troublesome thing is, there's somebody in a room full of this many people that God has spoken to about it this morning, and you need to hit this altar. And that's not saying you're an awful person. It's saying, I want to make sure I'm not. I want to make sure that I represent my King the right way. I represent Jesus in this world the right way. If that's you, I want you just to slip out of your seat and come. Maybe you're lost this morning. Maybe you don't know if you'd go to heaven at all. Maybe you're afraid if you opened your eyes before God, He would look at you and say, depart. You can leave this place knowing that you're on your way to heaven, but you got to make that choice. Right now, somebody needs to be moving. I don't know who you are, but I'm not going to hold us forever. But somebody needs to be obedient. Are you representing Jesus? way you ought to represent Jesus. For I am an ambassador of Christ. If that is you, I want you to make that way right now. Make your way to this altar. If God's dealing with your heart, I'm not going to keep us much longer. If you need to do that right now, then I want you to come and I want you to find that place to pray right now. Right now. I want to represent your kingdom. I want to represent your kingdom. Father, I want to do what's pleasing in your sight. I want people to see my life and I want it to reflect you if there's somebody in this room. I'm thankful for these that are gathering. There's some others that need to come. Come on. There's some others that need to come. Come on, there's some others. Are you representing Jesus? Some of us in this room, we're under conviction. We don't know what that is. That means we feel like we need to do something and we're like, I wish the preacher would hush so I could get out of here because I feel something just pulling on me. I'm going to tell you what's pulling on you. That's God trying to save your soul if you'll let him. And you've felt it for several weeks now. And God's been saying to you, I'm ready to do a work in your life. I'm ready to change your heart. I'm ready to get a hold of who you are. If you'll let me, you say, I don't, I'll have to give up so much. Oh, but you're going to gain so much more. So much more. There's some others need to come pray. I know that. Just a moment longer. Just a moment longer. I'm telling you, you're going to regret not obeying God. If you don't come, you're going to leave here and think, I wish I'd have done that. And I'm telling you, God's wanting you to walk free this morning. Free in your heart. Free in your spirit. Free this morning. On behalf of Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for listening and worshiping with us today. For more information, please visit our website at tryinghwc.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 
We would also like to invite you to come and experience the presence of the Lord with us in person. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. Our morning celebration and evening celebrations are every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Wednesday night is Worship in the Word Night. We have classes for every age beginning at 7 p.m. We look forward to meeting you.